Hello creatives, it's the Don't Think Act podcast. It's episode eight. It's Naomi Cooper Davis, who is a wonderful comedic character actor that has appeared in Peep Show, Netflix's Sandman, Coronation Street, and many other things. This is such a fun episode. It is rather epic in length because we both love to chat so much. The questions kind of went out the window because we were just having such a great time. And um, yeah, there's lots to lots for you to feast upon in this episode. We talk about uh, how we rebel in some of our auditions, how uh, we've had some bad casting experiences to do with ethnic ignorance, and uh, we even get into about what it's like to be um, on set on Coronation Street. So give it a listen. Uh, there's some very strong language in this episode, so if you be offended, please don't listen to it. But there is plenty to hear. There's plenty to uh, gain from the wonderful insight that Naomi has in the business. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, oh, sorry. Why are you being weird? Just start video. There we go. It was really funny. It sounded like I could just hear a little kind of light banging noise and um, because i couldn't see a picture i was like sounds like someone's getting rid of a dead body and it's like oh just could you just oh, oh stop why do you have to be so dead um, right. don't tell everyone my secret said bloody hell <laughs> well, I'm having dark that's how i make a living and that's my my side hustle is a hitman <laughs> <laughs> um a hustle but you get paid well for that yeah yeah, it's probably good work. <laughs> it's good to have a backup plan in this acting yeah. game, isn't it? You are listening to the Don't Think Act podcast with Ed Ismail. You can you can hear me. I can hear you beautifully. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, have you have you listened to the podcast before? Are you aware of the kind of? Format? I have. Yeah, I have. I have had listen. Um, I was listening to Becky's one this morning. Oh my god. Uh, and then I was like, no, stop listening because I'm going to start just repeating. All of the <laughs> um, Rebecca Windsor, your previous guest, is my best friend and soulmate. Um, and uh, we spent a lot of time together and have lived together at various times. And uh, yeah, our like artistic journeys are intrinsically linked. Yeah. Well, this, this will be going um, out a few weeks after. So um, right. um, there'll, be a bit of, there'll be a bit of respite. 
brilliant. If I do start repeating anything, please, uh, if she's pinched all of the good stories, I'm going to be really annoyed. <laughs> no, I don't think she has. Although she did, she did mention you, of course. Um, and yeah, she was an absolute joy. So thanks for joining me on this episode. Um, as you know, as everyone hopefully knows by now, or actually maybe not everyone, I'm sure someone's listening to this for the first time, um, I like to start at the beginning. So, Naomi, where were you born? I was born, Ed, in um, St Thomas's Hospital in Lambeth, South oh, London, yeah. a long time ago. I'm uh, still a millennial, but only just. <laughs> um yeah so I didn't grow up I lived there till I was like seven in St Thomas's Hospital (laughs) no no Uh, no I lived on um, a place called the China Walk Estate which is like a a council estate just opposite the Imperial War Museum oh wow so yeah so like when I was little my earliest memories are like walking around the Imperial War Museum and probably had a lot to do with me like becoming a total history nerd um but yeah it's still one of my favorite places to go and have a look even though I hate war <laughs> and I'm very much a pacifist but I am fascinated <laughs> um by like yeah by the history and stuff so um but yeah but I didn't know I didn't live in the hospital for seven years that would be <laughs> that would be a different traumatic story yeah I've got oh. some of those don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come to those we'll come to those and where do you live now so I live, I now live in Margate. Um, so when I was seven, we moved to Kent. I ran away to drama school when I was 20 and said that I would never live in Kent again. And then <laughs> moved to a different part of Kent. So yeah, I live in Margate. So I'm by the sea. Um, and lots of people know it as like a trendy, like all the Londoners have moved here. I moved here just before that. So trends you, there. You started it. I didn't know. No, don't blame me for gentrification. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, right, so you moved when you were seven from South London, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Do, do you remember yes. the move and oh, being affected yeah. by it? Yeah, yeah, really, but massively. Um, so I moved from. Um, so I'm uh, white assumed, but I'm black mixed heritage. Um, so a lot of people think I'm. Um, white but yeah I'm I'm not and so I moved from like being with my family and like our friends that were all really like really diverse and really mixed going to a really cool school um with like that did loads of really fun stuff like I found um a book might help my mum to move house a, a little while ago and I found like some of our old booklets and I was like it was as cool as I remembered we had like a free Nelson Mandela thing on the on the back page Amazing. and like it was the head teacher was this um guy who was like really uh, massively into anti-racism and teaching uh and so yeah there was loads of stuff that I learned as a kid that kind of was amazing um but then I moved to Kent um, and the place that we moved to, my dad was like the only black person in that part of Gillingham where we lived. Now, I've, I've since met people and been like, where were you? Oh, you were in a different, you're on the other side of Gillingham. We never met each other because we didn't get to the same school. But um, but yeah, so it was like it, we moved to a really, um, well, there's a, a large South Asian community there. Um but yeah, there weren't many black people. And so it was actually quite traumatic. <laughs> um, um, she says laughing. Uh, no, it was, yeah, it wasn't very, it wasn't, I found it really difficult to fit in. And I found it really difficult to kind of, um, to settle, I think. Mm. Um, and it was just a 
massive culture shock and like I would come home asking my mum what certain like racial slurs meant because I'd heard it that day because oh, someone had said oh your dad's you I saw saw your dad and then called me a yeah and I was like oh mum what does this mean and she was just like horrified just like mm. you know um so it was very yeah it was kind of weird and then I kind of eventually you know started hanging out with all the South Asian kids um <laughs> and um but like made nice groups of friends and stuff like that and and it um it changed as well because I was only in, so I, I went in like the last year of infant school and then you would change to the junior school so I think when I started the junior school there were kids that came from other places so I wasn't the only like new kid um and that made it much easier to kind of fit in but yeah I never um I never really enjoyed living in Gillingham I always found it very tricky because I was just not I was like a London kid <laughs> in a in a town where people were just looking at me like I was from outer space half the time <laughs> so but you know alienation breeds great character work <laughs> sure does um but I guess that's really difficult because you're I mean it's interesting so far we've had guests on the show that have uh have had to either moved around a lot or moved from moved at a similar age and uh-huh. it's and obviously whenever you move when you're a child it's sort of difficult if you're leaving friends behind but I mean, you've got multiple dynamics that you're playing with there that you're mm-hmm. you're having to deal with um, mm. in, in this new society. You're you're having to try and be a part of. Mm. Um, were you an only child? Have you got siblings? Yeah, I was an only child as well. So yeah, so I, oh, I'm yeah, it was, and I think I was kind of um, I was the sort of kid that was quite happy talking to adults actually so like I I never felt lonely I had I'm very lucky I had a really like my my parents are great I had a really good relationship with them so I felt like um and we had a we had a lot of fun in our house like we had a lot of fun and a a lot of communication so I could talk to my parents about things oh it was always very open in that way so so I could you know have a shit day at school sorry language um but I could have a yeah a bad day at school and then go and I felt like I could talk to them about it so I never felt totally lonely or anything like but I but it actually that I think that house move probably made me learn how to make friends quite quickly Mm. um because I didn't need to in London either because we were always surrounded by family or friends or people that I'd just been around since I was really little so I think it was um in some ways it was quite helpful um because yeah I had to go and like and like figuring out who your people are yeah <laughs> like yeah. sussing them out um <laughs> my first my first friends though that I made when we moved to Gillingham my mum took me to a park and this little girl came ran up to me and went do you want to be my friend that's my friend Gemma <laughs> shout out to Gemma Dean and Debbie Dean <laughs> um <laughs> and they lived <laughs> they lived on like an adjacent road to me so I just ended up living at their house and vice versa <laughs> cool then how did acting first come to you so I wanted to be a historian um and then I wanted for a really really long time and then um I so this is also quite helpful for me to know now but I um um I think I'm probably autistic like I'm, I'm waiting for an official diagnosis I'm on a, okay. a wait list but um but kind of understanding now the sorts of things that I was really really like so passionate about and then I was like completely my mum was so my mum just couldn't understand when I decided that I wanted to be an actor. She was just like, where has this come from? And I think I'd I'd always wanted to do it, right? But my special interests were like history and the law. 
very weird um for the age like I was interested in the law at 13 Ed and going hmm how like I was really interested in social justice and things like that and like hmm, how can I so I found out about being a barrister and so my actually when I um signed up for um a performing arts b-tech at school for my a-levels I did performing arts because I was like, right, the only A level I need to get onto a law degree is probably language and literature because um, they prefer you not to have studied law before. Or that's what I was told by a careers advisor could have been made up. I, I was it was when she told me, I was like, that sounds really sus, but OK. <laughs> um, and I was like, right. So I get two A levels, two A levels you get. Yeah, I was like, I get two A levels for the, like the price of one and there's no exams. Um, so I now understand like the exam environment and stuff was just I was I was probably having some sort of shutdown when I was doing exams. And people, my teachers were always like really surprised why I'd get such high levels, uh, such, such high marks in coursework and then completely flunk exams. But it's because like the whole thing, I just I was like, I couldn't deal with it. Um, so, yeah, the pressure. Exactly. So. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I was like, brilliant. I'm going to do performing arts. And I'd always wanted to try performing and the closest I'd ever got was my mum's uh friend had a daughter who went to a youth theatre actually a really good local youth theatre um and was she was asking me to go for like three years in a row and I finally said okay in the last years okay okay I'll come and like the closest I got to the stage was being assistant stage manager for a production of Mort (laughs) Terry Pratchett's Mort um and I loved it like I loved the all of it and I was like I was so captivated by what these kids were doing on stage um and so I was like right even if I don't enjoy the performing like I can definitely be around this and I had enough of a kind of an interest in in the all of the different things that go towards putting on a show and stuff like that so I took BTEC performing arts and we had our first month I don't know you did a BTEC didn't you I did your place sounded well fancy. <laughs> I was like, you guys had some money. There was budgets going on. <laughs> uh, very lucky. That's all I can say. Very lucky. Um, but yes, yeah, so you know, you do those like projects that will be like a term or a half term. So six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had like a month long project on The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Amazing. And um, and so the performance portion of that and I loved all of it like I I think actually doing that BTEC was probably a great segue for me because there was history of theatre and there were things that kind of already interlinked with my own interests that kind of sucked me into the world really and justice Um, and justice exactly um (laughs) and learning how to speak up you know in public was very helpful if you want to do any of that um but yeah after four weeks we did so like just a little showing so we did like two scenes or something from the crucible and I played judge Danforth and uh absolutely loved it it was like magic like the fit just the feeling in my body doing it and then the end and I was like people get paid to do this <laughs> I'm gonna do that and my mum was like oh my god and my dad was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, and then that was it really. I kind of, I did, um, so I started to do Amdram alongside my performing arts course as well. So I was kind of performing all the time, evenings, mm-hmm. weekends. Um, and I started, um, like with my Saturday jobs and stuff, I started 
paying for like tuition and things like that because I was so new to it I was like I want to go to drama school but I don't know anything about drama school and like all of the teachers that I had were you know our drama teacher had gone to uni to learn to be a drama teacher she didn't want she never wanted to be a performer or anything so it was quite I didn't really know how any of it worked. I didn't know any actors. So my this is why my mum was, my mum was always supportive, but she was just like, she was like, I've got no idea how to help you. So you're on your own, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a very long answer. To a very oh, no, <laughs> that's interesting though, because, you know, we're talking about a pre-internet time. Mm. So we can't just look things up. Um, because now mum's, <laughs> That mum's got the answer for everything, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Cool. I, I'll just, um, just look it up on the... Yeah, on this get the device. Google out. What was the next sort of step in... Did you get any formal training or what was the next step in... Yeah, you know, so... Or getting, or getting any acting experience? Well, so the next thing was... So I... Yeah, so I kind of... I kept doing all... I did Amdram stuff and got a proper job because what I did realize was um that back in back then as well there were no uh there were no like free um auditions for you know people who might tick some boxes <laughs> or like there was no like let's help uh let's help working class children who have no money get into drama school there's none of that no. um so you had to pay you know and I was working a bit like I come from quite a but my parents both worked, but there was no extra money to send me on lovely jaunts <laughs> to um, to apply for drama school. So I had to save up. So I was like, right, I had to like make a plan, really. I was like, if I want to, you know, to apply to, it was, it was like 25 quid a pop then or something as well. It was, it was, or I think that was the bigger ones. And then a couple were like 10 pounds for the audition. The audition um, fees. The audition fees, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also didn't live in London, so I had to factor in train journeys. And, and like, if you've got to be there at nine in the morning, then I've probably got to go up and set my auntie's house the night before, and all, you know. So it kind of, it meant that I had to really be quite choosy about the how many I chose. I was like, I can't just apply for all of them. Um, and also, I can't just apply for all of them because I can't, like, travel all over the country for them. Although what I really wanted to do, the one that I really wanted was um, Queen Mary University in Edinburgh, because I was like, oh, it's near the Edinburgh Festival and they do shows during the Edinburgh Festival. And I'd heard oh. from comedians that I liked that like, oh, the Edinburgh Festival is a good thing that people do, <laughs> like performers do that. So I kind of, I was like, oh, that sounds like, and you get a degree because I was, the first year I applied for drama school, I was like, okay, I'm only going to go to places where I can get a degree so that I've got a backup plan. And then the next year I was like, no, I'm going anywhere that will take me. <laughs> I've got to get into the industry. <laughs> um, seriously, it was so funny. And my mum, I have these conversations with my mum and she's like, she's like, yeah, you were convinced that because you hadn't started as a child actor, you were never going to make it. Like you had to make it in like four years or you were never going to make it, whatever make it means. Um, but I had all these ideas. So anyway, I um, got a job in a bank. I worked for the co-op bank for a year and a half nice. whilst applying and that paid for me to get, so I, I got some like monologue training. So I had a coach for, um, because also they were like, do these monologues. And I'd, I'd basically, I'd done a couple, we did, we did do a little bit of that at, at, um, at um, school in the sixth form, but, um, you know, they weren't even, they didn't even know that you need two contrasting monologues. 
right. or they or like they they kind of went oh yeah but those two are contrasting and then and then I spoke to this te- uh, this tutor and she was like oh no those are both like from the same time period so you need one that's after the 1960s I was like oh my god okay good about to go in there with some Chekhov and Shakespeare what are you thinking <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I kind of started to learn all these little bits of bobs and then I got, so I, I, you know, I got a couple, a few monologues down. I did some singing training as well because, um, some of the courses that I'd looked at that I really liked had talked about singing and I was like, I've never done a scale in my life. Like my dad's a musician, but I would run away and not sing in front of anyone because I was too scared. Um, so, and then I, um, yeah, applied for loads of drama schools. And the one that I got into <laughs> was the Bridge Theatre Training Company, which very few people have heard of, but it's where I met Rebecca Windsor oh, and lots yeah. of other really wonderful people. Um, and it was this weird little place. I hope no one from the Bridge listens. They are going to, uh, please, Mark and Judith, don't be offended, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but it was this kind of, we, we um, it's a drama school that was set in the lower level of the English Folk Song and Dance Society in Camden. Um, So sometimes we would be, the upstairs rehearsal space was used, like sometimes the London Philharmonic Orchestra would be rehearsed there. We had Shirley Bassey one time, Tom Jones another time, like people would go yeah and they used to do all of the strictly come dancing like they they do they used to use it as um as a rehearsal space so sometimes you'd get a musical guest rehearsing their thing or you'd see the dancers like rehearsing so yeah it was quite a cool um like it was just a really fun environment and it had this walled garden so it felt like a really like picturesque little place right in the middle of Camden it was so it was such a yeah it was it's so odd but um but when I first went there I, I really loved it I loved like the atmosphere of this place and um and it was like an all-day workshop so it was very different to the one to your lambdas and your radas where you go in you do your bit and then you're gone and you know um until you get recalls and then you start to kind of chat to more people whether you know or do the kind of longer day workshops and things um but we watched Mark, who was one of the artistic directors, would work on people's pieces with them. And I feel like with their with their audition day, you kind of came away feeling like you'd really learned something. And um, and it was also the first place where they made me feel like they actually wanted you to be there, which is probably a very good sales technique. that the bigger ones don't need to employ. Um, no, I think they actually genuinely did like care about um they cared about making that day like even if you didn't go there you got something out of it and it was a valuable experience um and so yeah and so they phoned me and uh told me I got in and it was like I was like oh my god um and I really knew nothing about drama school so I went to a drama school that was not affiliated (laughs) with which now doesn't I don't think that they exist anymore like the what's it called it was the conference of drama schools or something um but I didn't realize that I basically had you know for me it was affordable like I could get a career development loan to pay it and not a big scary loan like which I understand you only pay back after a certain point but like being a working class kid the idea of coming out with at that point it was like 22 21 grand's worth of debt it would be like Mm. the idea of that versus 12 I was like oh yeah 12 I feel like you can pay that off in your lifetime so anyone to me at that age just seemed like so much money it just it wasn't really 
it was too scary a prospect I think mm. um and also I didn't know about drama schools I didn't understand about like the hierarchy of training or um and actually a lot of stuff that I think doesn't matter today I think the you know the industry is under complete u-turn um in the time that you know I've been Ed this year is my 20th anniversary since leaving drama school congratulations Thank you. Um, yeah, it's old. 20, 20, 21 for me, I think. Wow. I oh, think. well done, mate. Well I, don't, well, I didn't go drama school. I did. Uh, um, I did. Uh, I went to an arts college. I went to Dartington College of Arts, which uh, is. Oh my it's god, in, that's so fancy! It, the really art, fancy one. No, no, no. Oh. It's, a, it's an arts college in Devon. You just, you just, you roll around on the floor for three years, and they give you a degree. Um, it Could was. Have gone uh, there. <laughs> It was, yeah, I think it would have suited you, actually. It was, it was you know, did a lot of device performance and uh, mm-hmm. physical theatre, um, some improv. Um, did, you know, did no acting there whatsoever. It was quite interesting. Um, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, I know, yeah, that's now since closed down. I don't know why I was starting to talk about that. I want to talk about myself. This isn't mine to be. Um, <laughs> Why did I segue to that? Was it about the hierarchy of drama schools and like how all of that? How yeah, so like because I, sort of I, I got a, I got a I got a place at East Fifteen and mm. um, so it was like go to a drama school or go to like go somewhere else mm. <laughs> or go somewhere else. Um, it was like no, it was like, um, but it was like go to somewhere where you will be molded into a performer or go uh-huh. to somewhere where you will mold yourself. Yeah. And that that was what I was weighing up. And when I asked my um, acting teacher at the time, he was like, "You should go to Dartington. I think that would be far more interesting." Oh, and great. and I always like to do things that are a little bit more alternative, anyway, and mm-hmm. just different. And getting because through youth theatre, I was learning, uh, you know, through between school, college, um, and um, a youth theatre I went to for many years. Like I'd done enough Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> To know that I didn't want to do Shakespeare, and um, I think, <laughs> and I think that's okay. And I think you know people are very precious about Shakespeare, and that's cool. Mm. I'm glad you get something from it. I get something mm. from it when I watch it, but acting it, no. There's too many people I know that can do it a hundred times better, and they should uh-huh. be doing it, not me. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was just it was just fun to go and do something different. It was very challenging though because I had been in, you know, actually had been ingrained, and you know, Stanislavski's method had been ingrained. So going to um, what was known at the time as a virtuoso um, theatre practice was difficult, and um, yeah, they tried to get rid of me after the first year. Um, what? Because you were like, we need to do more Stanislavski. <laughs> no, no, I um I failed my first year on one assignment, and um I quickly learned I quickly learned that elitism is everywhere. It doesn't matter if you go to the French drama school or you go to an alternative uh, theatre course, device theatre course. It doesn't really matter. And I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to. I don't want to piss on the chips of Tartan College of Arts because it gave me so much more than education. Um, mm. friends for life I met my wife there um, mm. like uh, and just some amazing times and amazing experiences um, but I, it was a real challenge and after the first year I found out that I'd failed my first year on the, the first day I moved in in the second year I moved into a flat in halls and I went to look on the 
there was a notice board and it was like, here are a list of the people that failed the first year and my name was on it. And a letter, a letter had been sent, but I'd already made the journey down to Devon to, um, uh, so like that letter wasn't found until my mum got home having driven me all the way to Devon. Um, and um, oh yeah, and then I had a meeting with the head at the time, which was like, oh, well, you know, you have to, you know, you have to make up that, um, that assignment that you failed. Um, you know, can you fit that in with everything you're doing this year? The second year was a very busy year. Can, do you think you'll be able to handle that? Do you think you can do it? Do you think you can do it? Did, and the whole time I was thinking, you don't want me here. You're trying to get rid of me. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I'm sure I'll be fine. And then I left that meeting with so much doubt, thinking, oh, my God, can I do it? Do they want me here? And I got chatting to uh, one of the members of staff. Uh, actually, he was the uh, accommodation um, guru. That's not the right term, but <laughs> I'm using it. Um, and um, I was like, oh, I failed an assignment. Like, I'm really worried about, like, completely, like, when well, I fail this degree and you know all these things were going through my head and it's like oh don't worry so and so failed six assignments and they're still here and that's when I knew that it was going to be more of an uphill challenge um, right. with with some of the tutors who were nice but for whatever reason just didn't warm to me and didn't you know but it was a place that was so open and open to ideas mm. and you'd do something in a class and they go Oh no! Not that that, idea. No, don't don't do that. That's not good. Oh, why's that? It's just not. It's not what we do. <laughs> it's just not me. It's not. It's not this class. But, um... Isn't it funny? I think it is. Like so, it's such a. It's. I mean, the whole industry is such a weird industry to go into, anyway. But in some ways, that's a really good kind that's probably really set you up that's why you're here 21 years later because <laughs> you're like oh <laughs> this is a little taste of <laughs> what's to come um and it's funny because you just never know like at the bridge I think I was really lucky at the bridge I think uh you know I was lucky that my tutors liked me and and but I saw other people who were really great actors um really struggling and being penalized for things that I'm like what and you'd be like, what is going on here? I just couldn't understand what it was. But it's just, yeah, it's like, hold on, Shirley, we're paying you to be here. So you're supposed to be an objective member of staff that's here to teach me. And that's what you're here to do. You're not here to like pick favourites or, do you know what I mean? But yeah. everyone that I know that's been to drama school, like, and all sorts. I mean, you know, I used to think oh I didn't go to RADA so I probably you know and then you chat to someone you're like oh all of the drama schools sound like they do the same thing um you know it's all very similar it's very similar kind of um training a lot of the time you've got tutors that are working at loads of different colleges so we were getting tutors that were working at RADA and Lambda so you know we, you kind of all of those things like yeah none of it really matters but but it, you're made to feel like all of it is so life and death, especially when yeah. you're training. They're like, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't pass this assignment or I didn't do this one thing. Am I ever going to make it? Am I ever going to be able to do this as a job? And you're like, probably. It's a bit like paying for private health care, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> you're, see, you're seeing the same doctors. Yeah. You're not seeing anyone just special. Just a bit earlier in the day. You're not, you're not <laughs> seeing Jesus. You're just... You're just you're just getting you're just getting it quicker. It's fast food. That's what it is. Like, you know, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It is. It is. And I like, I kind of like the fact that it's a bit more of a free-for-all, a bit more Wild West nowadays. Yeah. Um, 
that suits me much more because I think that yeah I think it's just better but I I'm a bit like you like I, I'm really appreciative I'm really grateful for the training that I got mm. um even the bad bits because actually yeah the, the biggest thing about it was that it we, I learned to be a self-sufficient actor and I think our the people that came out of of there that we're gonna that, you know because some people are gonna come out and they're never gonna go and yeah they're always gonna come out and then go get a proper job because actually it's not they don't want that lifestyle they don't want to pursue acting or the arts that much <clears throat> but like if you come out and you absolutely know you want to be a performer and then you've got the tools you know what goes into putting on a show like you know all of the areas that go into it then you can just do it you've got those skills um and so, yeah, so kind of that was, for me, that was like the biggest thing was coming out of, we were always, and we were always encouraged at the bridge because it's only a two year course. And so they always said like, your third year is the industry, set up your own companies, like set up your own theatre companies or get together, write something. And we'd be like, okay. <laughs> um, and we did, some of us did. No, that's brilliant. <laughs> do, you, do you remember getting your headshots for the first time? Yeah, so, the headshot photographer that I went to is now very, very famous. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So Magnus Hastings, he um, was my headshot photographer and he gave up doing like actors headshots, I think about a year or two later. So I got my first lot done in what, 2003 or something. And I think a couple of years later. So he, I remember him showing me like um, this book that he was working on and he was doing um, a book of beautiful prints of drag queens of like art artistic shots of drag queens and he'd like create this book and so yeah he um photographs all of the RuPaul's Drag Race people wow <laughs> and, like, yeah and like just is yeah is this really cool arty um drag photographer now um well photographs all sorts of stuff but that's his main kind of like the thing that he's really well known for so yeah he was really lovely but I remember having these headshots um like and her trying to change my top in a really random little alleyway in London like in a back street because he did he didn't do his in a studio the reason why his photos were so great was because he had a great camera and he used natural light um brick wall <laughs> Brick hall behind you. <laughs> Just lean a little bit, bend your knees a little bit. Oh, hold this light thing. Okay. And I was so, I'm like, I'm awkward anyway. What must um, any international actor think when they look at British headshots? It's just like, yeah, we're into bricks. We like walls. We build walls. <laughs> I mean, it's so I mean yeah they don't do they still do that because I remember that yeah. um who was it Claire Grogan used to do them in the garden in her mm. garden or something so you'd always have yeah. like an artful bush behind you <laughs> lovely um <laughs> but it's but I remember my I remember that we didn't use yeah I was told not to go no I was told to go to her but I went to her later now, hold on, I'm getting confused. No, so Magnus Hastings was the second person I got my headshots done with. Ooh. Claire Grogan was my first person. Oh, she was wow. lovely. Sorry, sorry, you're Claire. You lucked got... out your first two times, didn't you? I did, I did, I did. Yeah, did very well. Claire was, and she was very lovely. Mm. Um, it's a very nice photo, photos of me, but not good for acting purposes because I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And she'd say, think this, and I'd be like, okay. Ooh, you know just squished up weird face like um and then I got my because I, I was I was really lucky I was very jammy and I got basically I got my agent before I left drama school 
Um, but on a six month trial, they were like, we'll just see how it goes. Because basically she was like, I need a young fat actress. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, hey, cool. I'll have, I'll be a guinea pig. I'll give it six months. But I had to get new headshots with her. So I had to pay for headshots, right? And this is back in the day when we couldn't send them by email because mm -hmm. the files yeah, were so go, big. Get your 10 by 8s printed out. Yeah. And when was it? Yeah. <laughs> had to go into the West End to get your like 100 headshots printed out. So I had to spend in the early 2000s around, I think it was around £2,000 within a year. Jesus. Within like not even, it's like, like less than 18 months because this new agent was like, we'll take you, but you got to get new headshots before we put your stuff out. And I was like, yeah. okay. And how many of them are going to end up in the bin? Like it's just... well. Ed, I threw out about <laughs> 85 of of each set about five years ago. So, yeah, not many. Not No, those were reprints, obviously. You should be saving them and signing them for, like, you know, <laughs> oh. Comic-Con opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I should. You're right. I've got a few. I've kept a few. My mum's got some. She's like, oh, don't throw them out. They're lovely quality. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, when who, when did you have your first headshots? Do you do you remember that? Yeah, mine was around that time, three or two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Um, and I had I had it with a guy. I was doing. I started off as a supporting artist, um, uh -huh. to 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 get experience and stuff. And it was great. Yeah, I really recommend it. And um, I hate the fact that that's always been frowned upon because it's a great way to learn about the business. It's so um, ridiculous. It used to annoy me so much because I'd be like, "What? Don't get paid to be on a film set and see how a set works." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, because the casting director might notice you. They're not going to notice the background. Yeah. They're going to be in a shot oh half my the God. time. The stories, the stories are like, do you know that directors have got this database and they've got your name and they know everything they've worked on. And next to it, it tells them what role you've got. And if you're you're a supporting artist, they won't employ you to be an actor. It's just like, who tells this fucking shit story? Like, come also, on. Even if that's true, you could just use a fake name for your well, yeah, I've, I've changed my name three times since I've been in the business. So, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I got it with a guy in um, near Canary Wharf um, in the studio, and um, it was sort of affordable ones at the time. You know, he paid like fifty quid or whatever. And mm. um, yeah, I've always managed to come out looking all right, I guess, in headshots, which is odd. I don't really. I look at it and I go, I don't feel like it's me. Um, but I've never been comfortable. I hate. I do hate having headshots, but I like working yeah. with people who just. I think good photographers just chat to you and aren't too like who's here that. that other than just like maybe lift your head a bit or just move your eyeline a bit, but no, like yeah. oh, this is your I don't know your power pose. This is your um, I'm going to work pose. This is your just you know, <laughs> shit my pants pose. Like it's it doesn't really, you know. Uh, one of the best ones I had was a, a guy just kept on playing movie soundtracks, and it was Ooh. incredible. And I was in this tiny studio, and like the floor was shaking. He had massive speakers, and the floor was like shaking, and it was like. Like the man of steel soundtrack, I just felt really just, yeah, I'm a fucking I was superhero. Like, yeah. I, like, yeah, I am like... Superman. Is there a piece of acting on stage or screen that you can think of or, or, or whatever comes to mind that like really blew you away, which when you saw you were like, 
that's acting that's maybe what I want to aspire to or or you were just really oh. moved by it yeah well there's two actually I think that are quite formative and it always makes me a bit sad that they're both men because I go oh I wish I could but there are lots of women that I whose work I love and I'd really admire but <clears throat> these two particular performances I saw them I think I saw them both in the same year as well so it was Con O'Neill in Telstar at the Ambassador's Theatre and then Brian Dennehy in Death of a Salesman um, round the corner at a different West End theatre. And both of those performances, <clears throat> like Con O'Neill had literally had a nervous breakdown on stage in front of him. He's like, it, 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 and it, as someone who's like had a lot of experience with other people and their own mental health, like it was incredible to watch because I was going, this is really truthful. <laughs> like it was, but it, and it was also just, the whole the play was brilliant, but he was um, astonishing. You know, he went from high camp comedy at the beginning, and uh, yeah, into this. You know, and also making the character. You know, making someone who um, is not likable for a lot of the play actually. Mm. You know, does really horrible things, and is really. It was like there was so much humanity that went into that portrayal of that person and it felt like um it really felt like he there was no vanity like there was no he was there was there could not have been a moment that this man was thinking about what he looked like to do what he was doing on stage do you know what I mean and 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 this is all just post-reflection as well because in the moment I was just like devastated like so I went with Becky actually to see Tels. I think to see both of them. She she talks um, about it in 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 her episode. She, I, I didn't get to that point. But yeah, yeah she but said yeah. she said she had to sit on her hands to stop her from literally getting up and touching him. That was yeah. It was like, does do we need a medic? Like, do we need do does, is he okay? Like, it felt like that. It was so real. Yeah. It felt like. It felt like it was happening for real. And like, and what was as well, what was amazing is we came out after and like both me and Becky are like probably not very actor actors. <laughs> and we're both like, Ew. we always like used to love bonding over being sniffy about like really wanky stuff. <laughs> and so the thought of going to stage door was like, oh, oh, oh no, oh no, just so cringeworthy. But we were like, we've got to go and I was like, I'm sorry, I've got to go and say thank you. <laughs> I've just got, I just got to go and say thank you to this person because that was just oh my god I'm gonna cry thinking about it like it was so like it was so incredible yeah and um and he just was like bounding out and I was and it was also that thing of you know you're you're told about the tortured artist all the time and he looked knackered like he looked really yeah, tired yeah, but, I bet. but he came out and he was like yeah you know he just looked like a normal person and was mm. like that had just done his job and I, so I think for me that was and he's still one of my favorite actors I think he's an incredible Colin Neal is incredible like is a proper chameleon. There's always a little hint of him there, but he's really, I think he's really brilliant at just uh, at creating different people and all, but there's there's just something so like uh, heart-filled with his performances. And I think that's what I always really uh, warm to. And then Brian Dennehy, it was just masterful. That was like, that. I felt like I was watching, like I haven't really seen that many of our like great, quote unquote great actors you know like I've seen I think I've seen Judy Dench once um but like I I missed going to the theater when all of those just missed when a lot of those people were going oh couldn't get a ticket you know I couldn't didn't have enough money to afford a ticket yeah. for an Anthony Share film because um 
play because they were always sold out straight away like um and so yeah so I missed a lot of those sorts of things so watching Brian Dennehy it was like oh it was like old school theatre acting like there was no way you were missing any of this um but also incredibly it was like a really big performance but incredibly intimate um and again someone having a breakdown on stage um but yeah I and I felt both with both of those I was like as I just knew I was like I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life and like that and that is what I love about theatre. Like that's what makes me really sad because I actually don't do a lot of live stuff. I don't do a lot of theatre because I've mm. got an agent who wasn't very good at getting theatre. You know, that's just not. They were much more TV and film based, <clears throat> and so that's what I kind of just naturally veered my career into. Um, but the stage is what I absolutely love, and like, yeah, both of those were like oh, amazing. And so who, who who have been your acting inspirations or, or people that you sort of follow the career of? Um, so, well, I mean, most of my, like, my my real acting inspirations are, like, TV comedians. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, yeah, there's a, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot about, so I think for me as well, growing up as a, like, as a, a mixed heritage kid, like with mostly white people on the TV in the 80s and 90s, mm. um, we were lucky. We did have some like really prominent. So I feel like I was quite lucky that like Floella Benjamin was doing yep. morning TV when I was a kid because I was like, oh, yeah, because for me, that was like, great. That's normal. Like normal yeah. that there's a black woman doing all this amazing or doing like, um, I forgot what it's called, but like the, there was a preschool show that she used to do as well. Um but for me, like, um, like, goodness gracious me, and the real McCoy. Oh my god, the real oh, McCoy. The real McCoy. Oh, I used to love real McCoy. Oh my god, I could talk about it for hours. Like, just that, and um, oh yeah, all of the performers on that. Like, um, I always get his surname wrong. It's Felix Dexter. It is. It's Felix Dexter. Mm-hmm. But like Felix Sexter doing characters, um, yeah, Mira Sayar, all like I loved all of the people on that program. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really loved, I think I always really loved Mira Sayal because I was like, because she's not like she's good, like she's really funny, she's really, really funny. But I was like, oh, I could do like she's good, but she's like, it's attainable. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, Oh, she's just like a person like she was like the sort of woman that my mum was hanging around with you know like mm. so she's like uh, or like French and Saunders I'm like yeah they're like your mad aunties <laughs> and I think um and like uh Luella Gideon is still has um has always been one of my favorites um and she's in a lot of she's still acting now she kind of pops up um um in lots of like lots of bit parts she does a, like luckily there's a whole generation of people like our generation who were starting like who were directors and things starting to put her in stuff so she's yeah. getting, I, I keep seeing her pop up and things but um and like um Joe Martin who is only she's not that actually that much older than me but like I rem- really remember seeing her on tv in like the early 2000s and stuff and and um so I was in a thing with her like, and I never told she's, she's like we keep in touch but I never actually told her to her face I was like I used to love you and like you always made me feel like this is a possibility <laughs> um um and then I think like my absolute one of my favorite favorite actors as well is um Philip Jackson 
So Philip, Philip Jackson. Jackson, he is in every British film you've ever seen. He is in all of the TV things. He's a bit like Jim Carter as well. Him and Jim Carter always pop mm-hmm. up in the same kind of films. And I, Jim Carter, either of those careers, happily take them. Um, <laughs> but they're like proper, that proper old school work, like jobbing actor. Um, but so Philip Jackson, he was in Brass Off. He's basically, every time you saw Pete Postlethwaite or Jim Carter in a thing, he was right. the other guy. He was the other guy. He was also in it, but he's brilliant. He's so funny. I also like one of my um one of my favorite, still one of my favorite personal jobs. He was in it. And I was like, I'm sitting around a table with Philip Jackson. And for other people, they're like, yeah, all right. But it's also uh, for me, yeah, it's so like I've work, just I've just yeah, had a quick just IMDB, just yeah, yeah. put a face. Yeah, he has been in everything. Everything. I mean, he was in scum. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, and uh, like totally like such a character actor. You, yeah, you probably yeah. wouldn't recognize him sometimes because he's you know, so different. Um, but yeah, those sorts of Alfred Molina, oh, that, yeah. you know, that kind of anyone that's like did comedy. And Alfred Molina weird. is so funny, isn't he? Like he's still, like every now and again, they let him, someone lets him do comedy and he's like, good, someone's seen this. Yeah, because that's what really he was, funny. that's what he used to do loads. Like yeah. in the 80s, he was always in like all of the five go. He used to do loads of comic strip um, yes. yeah, like yeah. things. And he did, um, I still remember a character he played in Murder Most Horrid with Dawn French. Like, oh, okay. I still remember, he, like, he was just so funny in it. And I was like, oh, my God, who's this guy? I think that was probably, like, the first time I, like, really remembered him. Um, and it's funny because he was kind of typecast a bit because I think because of his name, because of mm, his sort of dark features, dark hair, yep. dark eyes, um, he was always playing someone not English. Like, it yeah. was, like we watched... Yeah, um, he was... He's your renter Italian slash yeah. Spanish slash. Well, we watched we watched continent. we watched a film the other day, uh, an old film from the 80s called Letter to Brezhnev, and he's oh. in that. It's it's not great. Um, okay. it's uh, uh, well, it's it's dated. It, it's got it's yeah. got some interesting messages for its time, but it was you know it has its problems. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, he was Russian, and it's like yeah. his name is. Alfred Molina, I think I think you'd seen it. Yeah. I think his proper name is Alfredo Molina, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's playing a Russian. It doesn't look yeah. remotely Russian. It's hilarious. Well, honestly, the beginning of my career, I played. I was mm. like, I was your, I was a renter Antipodean, so I would be playing South African, Australian, New Zealand constantly. Those those were the like the things, and I think it's because I was good at the accent and um, brat, like I'm brown enough that you don't really know where I'm from. So I had a bit of like, <laughs> yeah, a bit ethnically ambiguous. Yes. Um. So. Yeah, did a lot of. Oh, you look like you could have come from a hot country. Yeah, well, well, yes, yes. I I had the same issue as um. If you recall, we were in a film together before we knew each other, and um, I yes. was I was playing an Afghani. Oh. And in e. in that audition, I said, "Do you know what an Afghani accent sounds like?" And they went, "No." So I was like, "All right, <laughs> well, I'm okay, just going to so do can this." I be- can, can I be Afghani in your mind, but have, you know, be first generation, got a British accent? No. Oh, my God. No, I had to have a silly accent, and it did look silly. It's quite embarrassing, I think, for the finished, the mm. finished product. But, um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? I remember when, um, well, I used to just use my legal name. 
because it's a Muslim one. I went into mm. an advert for um, it was for Pepsi, and mm. um, the casting director said to me, "I did the audition, and it was it was only it was only going to be aired in um, sort of uh, Saudi Arabia and UAE, you know, that part of the world." Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, "Just speak any other languages," and I said, "Yeah, basic in in Turkish." Mm-hmm. Oh right. So if I gave you a, f- a few lines of Arabic, you'd be able to say that, wouldn't you? Because oh, Turkish and Arabic are the same. What? And, uh, and then what? You know what it's like when you you're, you start at your young answer. You just say yeah. yes. Yeah. You just say yeah. You go yeah yeah of course. And yeah. Way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, right. I know. And it's, I think... And there's still I, plenty of people like that around. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I don't get seen by certain casting directors because I think I have... I've, you know, I've said stuff in... I've I've also, I've refused stuff. You know, there have yeah, been times yeah. where I'm like... as well, It's weird because I... Some of the things that have, people have said, like, where they've put on the breakdown, you know, like, uh, open to all ethnicities and then... Um, but they're obviously hoping for um visibly to them visibly black because if you put me in a if you put me in a room with black people they know that I'm Jamaican like um you know uh, because actually uh, like you know especially a lot of people from the Caribbean like our families everyone comes out different colors you have your like your families are different so you can't even make assumptions about someone's parentage in like the Caribbean because you don't know you can't assume that someone who's light-skinned has got a white parent because both their parents might be black and they are you know they are lighter so it's kind Mm. of like it's a it's a weird thing when you then go into dealing with very white (laughs) casting directors um who just yeah and it's like their idea you know the amount of times that you see a mixed heritage person and they're chill, like, and they've got, in, you know, in a TV program. So the person's mixed heritage, um, visibly, like, one black, one white parent. You know, you make the assumption that they've got one black, one white parent. And then they have a white partner who is usually the lead. Um, and then they have children that look the exact same as the mixed race parent, and you go, yeah, those kids are going to probably look white or different, or like those kids are going to have different hair textures, and yeah. one of them might have green eyes, and like you, you like the uh, this idea, you know, two of them could look actually what would be quite apt for everyone that I know, like you know, the kid, two kids from the same parents will look very very different, mm. have similar facial, you know, so it's like it, it's they're imagine, you know, they don't have the imagination or the range a lot of the time, and I have had. Um, this is probably way too honest, <laughs> for, but I'm, I've been acting for 20 years, so someone will still give me a job sometime. I will edit right? out whatever you want, don't worry. It's fun, and I think it's quite important to recognize actually that you go in. and I've had people, you know, where I've gone in and they're like, Oh, no, we're looking for a mixed heritage, or you know, they say mixed race. So when I'm like trying to change my own language around all that but yeah they'll be like no we want a mixed race actor and I'm like yeah I am but (laughs) like what what do you want why do you want a mixed race actor oh you just want someone for a visual to tick a box okay great it's nothing to do with you actually trying to like Hmm. you know you're trying to create a specific family or it and I know that does happen and there's a lot more there are actually a lot of conscientious casting directors who are doing that um but there's still so much you know and I hear stories from so many friends of mine like sorry I've just got a frog in my throat no go for it 
<clears throat> yeah, friends of mine who are um, who are black actors, like the stuff that you know, constantly having to talk about their hair when they go into a, a casting or something. You're like, can you change that? You're like, sure. We can. Can we talk about that if you give me the job? Like, don't even be talking to me about that shit before I've got some money coming in. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. How have you found it changing? Um, I've, I'm, I was really like, I, I thought it was great when you changed your name back. And I just thought it was, no, for me, I was like, because actually I think it's, if it's what you want to do, like, it, like, I know I've got friends who have constantly been told, change your name or you won't get any work, you know, like, or yeah, your name's too difficult to say, change it. Like, I, and so, yeah, I just wondered like how you've found it since. Uh, I was encouraged by my agent. At the my agent at the time, um, mm -hmm. which was very nice, and uh, I spoke to a few friends about it, and I spoke to a couple of active friends, and they're like, "Well, look at the people who are like really famous now. They don't have white than white names. They all have names yeah. from different ethnicities, and um, you know, I think there's it's now time. Like, because when I started out, I just felt pigeonholed, as I said in that previous episode mm. uh, with." with Rebecca that you know I was a suicide bomber or I was a refugee or and, and you know part of me is just like well actually typecasting it's not nice but I do think you know if you're starting out get just build up that work and mm. uh half of me feels like that and the other half feels like well no why should you but you, yeah, you, always, you, should, you always that shouldn't feel be like, your only option yeah it shouldn't be your only option and you shouldn't feel like you should feel like you you should have a say but that's the problem yeah. is you don't really like we don't have much of a say most of the time. Mm. Um, it is hard to find people who are interested in your opinion because you're just, a, you know, not that you're just a talking prop, but um, that's a bit harsh because I, I, do, I do generally think, like, I have a better and more positive outlook on the business. I think it's coming on leaps and bounds. It's still going to take a long time yeah. and there's always going to like everyone in society, there's always going to be people that like it the way it was the old way, you know, and, and things are cyclical anyway. And I think mm -hmm. right now, like, just diversity and inclusivity is, is really big. Mm -hmm. uh, and the cynical side of me is like, it's, it's big because it's making money. Um, yeah. uh, and, but the other side of me is like, yeah, but there are people that generally care and generally want to see more uh varieties of people and mm -hmm. and then and then what happens now you you put on a soap or you put on a program and it, it, it it's kind of reminded me of when do you remember when lost started and they had like yeah. they had a version <laughs> they of had one of they had one of everyone one of everyone <laughs> even a disabled person who was disabled spoiler alert um, but but and and now like you turn on TV and it's like oh you know we've got um, someone who's neurodiverse neurodiverse or someone who has mm. got some sort of access um, need um, got you know a variety of races being represented because this is the country we live in we're we're mixed and yeah. we're fast and we're we're you know and I think I I, I love what someone said I mean I don't want to get too political. But this was more about politics rather than but it was about the state of the country. And mm. uh, someone said that like a year or two ago, it was like, you know, England will never be white again. <laughs> like, get over it. It's not. It's yeah, just not yeah, guys, 
that ship has sailed. Like... Yeah. Like, you know, so many generations of people from a variety of countries. Yeah. You know, I've got Cypriot heritage. So I don't, you know, I don't know many people who, who are, and even those that say they're sort of English Arabic. You're not. I'm sorry. Um, does, this country's had too Everyone's... many visitors. Yes. Yeah. 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 We've had too, like, you know, everyone who loves to go on, like, like it's when you get to the, the, it's one of the, yeah, when you get to, this is going to be too political, sorry, actors. Um, but, um, but like, when you get to real racists, like, real, yeah. when you get to your real far-right people, yeah, yeah. you know, like, you want to bang on about Anglo-Saxons, they weren't English. No, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, they came from somewhere else, too. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it's weird, isn't it? Like, this hearkening back to um wanting to hearken back to a, a time you're like this time of rape and pillaging <laughs> what what are you wait think about this guys think about what you're really asking for um i always used to so i think for me one of the reasons why i loved history so much as a kid was because i would be in my history class and it was like um the only mention of like black people would be around Windrush and my granddad mm. fought for the my granddad was Jamaican and he fought for the um for the British in um the first in the second world war and so I was like hold on this is like 1940 Windrush is 47 48 I think and I was like hold on but he married my grandmother in 1942 <laughs> and I was like, so this idea that everyone came then and then when I got a bit older I read some other books and I was like there were black Georgians like finding out there. Yeah, but yeah. again, pre-internet, it took it was so I'd find these little like dribs and drabs. I remember um as well, like seeing I loved the Tudors and Stuarts. And I I think I was so fixated on like kings and queens and Tudors and Stuarts and stuff because it was so fascinating, because there was such a limit for me in terms of what I could understand of one side of my heritage, like understand going, oh, th there's this group of people, you can trace them back to like, to like the, like 1100 and something. You're like, oh great, I'll find out all about your family. Um, but I'd find it really fascinating that you could, you know, you could go down the line and oh, these people are all, all related to everyone. Um, I can't remember why I started that. Oh yeah, just being yeah, just being like, where are the black people? But I remember reading a book, like a book about Elizabeth I, and seeing the black trumpeter in um, mm. who was apparently like a really uh, John Blank, I think his name was, and he was um, uh, really well known, really famous in I think Henry VIII's court. But it was in this book, and I just I was like, what black Tudors <laughs> like? Um, so this idea that everyone yeah hopped here over like obviously that's when there was mass migration from the Caribbean was after Windrush, but like there have been people from all over the world. People yeah. people migrate. We've always been migrating as long as there have been people with them migrating. I think his I think like in history people think about it a bit like. And this is ignorant people. Um, think about it a bit like they do space. People would think, oh, there's no other life out in space. It's just us. It's just so arrogant. We're the only ones in the whole universe. We're the only life. And it's like, that's you... such a good. <laughs> I mean, like, and so, and, and when you go back into history, people are just like, yeah, they were just white people. Watch any film. It's just white people. There's no one else. And it's like, watch any film. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find Moses did not look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Let's let's get back to the okay. Get back to the story. <laughs>
this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, this is the next one. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so what part of acting do you love? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's the storytelling and connection. Um, I think it's connecting with other people through storytelling. Like I said before, understanding now that I'm autistic, probably autistic, um, is really helpful because actually I, I've there are parts of like socio, um, social and personal um, development that I, I didn't have problems with, but I, I do think it it I've really had to like learn a lot about people to be able to relate to lots of different people. Like I didn't, I used to find it quite, sometimes I'd be like, oh, there's obviously a rule going on here, but I don't know what the rule is and I did it wrong. <laughs> be like, be like some, and we've, I've got um, three kids and one of our teenagers often texts their dad and just says, dad, can you tell me how to people? Like, help me, I need to people today. And, I, and he's like, oh yeah, in this case, do this. And they're like, oh great, that worked. But it is like it's learning another language, really, when you when there are some things that neurotypical people do that you don't understand or there are like societal kind of norms, as well as I realise as well that actually culturally often because I'm my mum, I'm from working class, uh, working class on one side. Um, there's quite a lot of the Jamaican upbringing, even though my granddad wasn't around the whole time. There's actually a lot of there's a lot of like Caribbean upbringing in in there. Um, in the way that in the way that we are culturally and the way that we relate to each other and stuff like that so <clears throat> I think for me when I discovered acting probably to start with it's like people who didn't want to talk to you would be like oh hey we saw you on stage in the school play and like that was really cool what you did there you'd be like oh okay thanks um and then that developed into like oh you can actually like you can create a whole world and you can give people this little space to come into where they don't have to think about anything else and they can just you can make them laugh or I think I always erred on the side of wanting to do more comedy because you've got that immediate reaction but also because you just know when people laugh they're feeling good like you're helping people to feel really good even if, regardless of what else is, is going on so yeah I think that's for me that's the like the joy of it and, what and then get to hang around with cool people and talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what part of acting do you not love? Networking. <laughs> really? So want, yes. Oh. So I really want to create things and, and oh, connect with people, but I don't want to go and sell myself. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I think I find it, I find, I think as well, probably playing characters is an escape and there's a, um there's a way for me to develop a whole person that everyone understands because it's you know living you know you're you're telling a specific like narrative or whatever in that in that moment mm -hmm. <clears throat> but actually like being me in the real world doing life <laughs> it's quite difficult a lot of the time so I find um, that really surprising actually because you do yeah people always do <laughs> yeah I mean I mean oh, people say it's about acts all the time so why am I surprised and because even I'm like <laughs> yeah you know we are human and we feel stuff but um you, you, I do, I do think of you as a confident person, and and because mm. of you know, whenever we've hung out together, you you're very easy to talk to, and mm. um, and you make it very easy. So I would, Aww. I just would have assumed that networking would have been something. I mean, I this is something else I kind of um, uh, I'm hammering, trying to hammer home in in doing this podcast is like networking isn't about selling yourself. 
It's just no. like it does, it, and I think that is a it's a huge it's a huge sort of miss. What's the word? Is it misnomer? I don't know if that's the right yeah. word. Um, but it's uh, a huge misunderstanding about like networking is about you going out there and be like, hey, I'm doing all this cool shit, and you need to hire me because I'm I'm great. Um, yeah, no, it's not that. It's like <laughs> finding stuff you have in common with people um, mm. and stories you want to tell, and or you know, just just finding out about what people are doing because it's really bloody fascinating, and we all we all might know someone that can help someone else, and vice versa. Yeah, so I think um, I definitely like I found ways to network as an actor that aren't like the traditional. We're all going to a networking event. I don't yeah. I don't do that. Like I I realized quite early on, also because I I've, I've got a bit of a like like actors and acting and like filmmaking and stuff like that. Um, theatre all of it is a special interest so I often remember a lot of like people (laughs) that I've worked with or like so I often will I've got loads of people that will randomly that I've worked with like five or ten years ago that will randomly message me and be like Naomi we're looking for someone like this 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 do you know anyone I'll be like yes I do and I'll you know so I, I, I definitely like that side of it I didn't mind I think what it was was I I think I if I still lived in London I would probably go to more of these things now because I think I did I learned after a few years um, that it isn't about selling yourself and it is just about having a conversation and I am very good at I um I am very good at I'm just very interested in people actually I find people endlessly fascinating um, and so I love I you know I'm happy to like listen to people talk about whatever they're interested in for ages um, but often. Often I think that I am good at networking, but often I would not know how to then, I would then be like going after a networking thing or after like something where you're all in the industry and you've all had a chat and like, you know, I've been helpful or useful to someone or whatever. And I've been like, oh, this person would be great for blah, 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 blah. I would then go away and I would I'd be like, I can never contact that person again because I said these three things wrong and I was a <laughs> terrible person and I was oh. so embarrassing and cringeworthy. They're never going to want to speak to me again. So I wouldn't chase up on things. And then I'd see someone at a thing like three years later, be like, oh, I, I didn't get in touch with you because you never messaged me. You said you would. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because I've just gone away and been like, I don't know how to be a human. <laughs> um so yeah I think I found ways around like so I don't do the classic networky things at all yeah yeah Um, no that's fair um, that's fair yeah um no that's interesting so it's yeah following up yeah it's always a bit odd isn't it I guess hi I met you the other night it's like it's like after you dating isn't it basically it's like it is you know it's tiring well yeah you know the, the first time you meet you've set out your representative you're not really set out yourself so um mm-hmm. and uh and then you've got to sort of share a bit of your bit, bit more of yourself um no oh, that sounded dirty than i meant it to um and how do you deal with rejection um these days very well <laughs> but not so much at the beginning yeah. um it, yeah it took it took time it just took a lot of time to um i think as well when i so when i first started I was only going up for TV and film stuff, really. Um, and back then, they were like the sorts of auditions I was getting in to be seen for. Um, 
I would get feedback, like my agent would get feedback from them. And so I, I got really used to like, oh, okay. So it'd be like, you know, I'd just get like even a sentence or whatever. So it, it would always, it, it, it didn't really feel like terrible, terrible rejection because I'd be like, okay, they give me this reason. I've got something to like hang on to. Um, but when it got to like, oh, they're see, you know, there's so many of us in the industry. They're seeing thousands of people for every single thing all the time. You're yeah. never going to hear from anyone. Um, like that. So after about five years, the like the communication kind of stopped. I think yeah. from a lot of casting directors, and so and so then it was just like, oh, you just never hear. Mm. <laughs> so um, I think that I found quite difficult. Also, probably because it was just a transition and a change, and don't like those. Um, and so yeah, just getting used to like this is the new way. Um, but I think as well, I've had periods where I haven't done a lot of stuff, but like probably from the year after I graduated up until I was about 31. So a good 10, I left when I was 20, yeah, just turned 22. So it's probably about 10 years, the first 10 years of my career, I was always making my own stuff. So I had a theatre company or I was doing stand up or I was doing like double act comedy group stuff. Um, and so although there was rejection, I think I always felt like I still, even if I wasn't being paid for acting, like I felt like I was a performer. I felt like I was acting, I was writing, I was kind of creating stuff. And I think that really helped. I've never been an actor that just sits at home waiting for the phone to ring. And yeah. like, I always thought that that I would never be able to do that. I just, at our drama school, it was drilled into us. Like I've got friends who left Drada at the same time as me and they're like, yeah, no, we were told we're the best of the best and we'll go out and we'll get all of the work. And they were like, and then I had 10 years of, of very little work. And like, we were like, no, you're hardly ever going to get a job. You're going to have to make your own work. If you want to do this, you've got to make your own stuff because it's not going to happen. <laughs> we're like, okay, it's come out. Like, um, and so, yeah, so anything was a kind of a bonus. I think I, I, I was sort of not expecting it to be... Um, an easy career yeah I don't really know how do you deal with rejection yeah I'm gonna say just well yeah it depends doesn't it it's like if it's something quite I don't know it depends on what it is but it's always a job isn't it like the job the job is going to audition isn't it that's the job yeah um, although I didn't know that until I heard Brian Cranston say that in that thing that <laughs> yeah, went yeah, viral yeah. Yeah. and I was like oh you're right, Brian. <laughs> yeah. What is my job? That's the job. Everything else is, is the bonus, isn't it? And yeah. Get, get, getting, you know, getting the money to basically play pretend for a day or however many, or however many days is just oh, the, the, the privilege, isn't it? That's the only thing is when you get something coming through, you go, and, and the audition goes well, and it's a lot of money, and you go, ooh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd pay off. That'd pay off my debt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a holiday to Disneyland for the kids. But I think it's just, yeah, for me, I've just, yeah, I've just got it in my head now. I'm very good at, like, letting go of things as soon as, mm -hmm. like, I used to leave auditions and be like, right, that was fun. Um, yeah. Or that was embarrassing. Or that went wrong. Um, you know, it just, it, it is what it is. And like you say, once you get into the, the mass of it all, the amount of people you're up against, it's, it's a lottery. And so many yeah. things can go in your favour. And not necessarily because you did a good audition. It could be mm. that, like, you know, the first seven people we're going to go with have now uh, got other commitments or one's ill or... Mm -mm. I've got a last-minute audition for a, for a feature film and it would have been a really, like, uh, you know, second... Well, it's almost a lead role. Um, 
uh, with an extremely high profile actor and mm. um like the the actor that was playing the part had dropped out and then they're like yeah this is shooting in you know in another country in a week <laughs> for, for three or four weeks um and um yeah here's 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 the audition and um i don't know how many people i sent that out to but it's such a short turnaround time i think i think the thing is like i think what we forget is it could all change so quickly like just mm -hmm. one good audition and getting one good role can change absolutely everything and then suddenly you know if you're in something high profile you're seen by more and more people you're seen by more and more cast directors or directors or producers or whatnot and then yeah. next thing you know you know you're being requested for stuff because they've seen you do something and it and yeah and or the thing that you did and you did no, a really memorable I haven't scene. got to that point yet but it doesn't mean doesn't mean it's not gonna happen doesn't mean it won't exactly exactly so, that's the thing it's like damn it's like some sort of gambling addiction or something in it it's like that's the thing that keeps you coming back it's like that's the codependency keep gambling that's keep gambling <laughs> that Simpsons on. episode your your whole come in one day so is my mum always talks I don't gamble because I went to the bingo once with my auntie and I was like oh I could I could sink loads of money doing this like yeah I don't gamble because I always expect to win that's the problem I'm like <laughs> But I'm going to win, right? Because I've, I've given my money. That's how it works, yeah? Hello. Hello. Hello again. It's your fault for being so easy to talk to. It's, do, you know, do you know what it is? It's like I've got like a whole list of questions, but sometimes I just think like I'm not, I don't have like a rigid structure. Like mm. it just doesn't have to be the same. And I think it can. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's like for a listener to listen to it all the time, knowing it's the same thing, whether that's a good thing or not. But I guess this mm. is just my starting point. So I'm just kind of going to the flow about everything. And yeah. I don't like to, I don't want to be like, oh, sorry, you've, you've spoken enough about this subject now because um, I've got another question lined up. I just think that's not very interesting. And I'm, I love long form com conversations. So like, I love yeah. listening to it. Like, I like podcasts that are like four hours long. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm terrible. I'm like, oh, please, three hour podcast. Great. I'll do my cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> so you know but as long as as long as i'm not imposing on your time no um, no no um, cool but yeah yeah rejection yeah it's great isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm i think i'm so i used to have all of these like arbitrary rules for myself when i started acting i was like if i had so you know when i left drama school i was like if i haven't made it which for me made it was like i'm on the telly all the time i'm paying all my bills and i've bought a house right that was made it back then <laughs> Um, so if I haven't made it in 10 years, I'm going to give up acting and get a proper job. Okay. And I got to 10 years and my mum was like, can I get that proper job? <laughs> I was like, no. No, I I'm qualified know. for nothing. Yes, I've done, all, <laughs> I've done my 10,000 hours. And I mean, it's going to get me somewhere sometime. Um, <laughs> I think I had to realise, oh I think I had to get to a point where I was like, okay, do I want to, most of the time, act and have this great experience that I really you know this thing that I really love to do um and then sometimes I have to go and work in an office or do other jobs like am I okay with that and it was like or the other alternative was like get a proper job so you're in an office all the time forever I was like fuck that <laughs> I did that one number three could take a hike mate I'll do number two that's fine um yeah and you know I don't know how do you um I'm always really interested about how people's families like 
feel about them being actors and like when they're sticking at it for a long time. I feel like I've got the exception to the rule in my family. My family have always been very supportive from day one, from when I was a child. It was like, I want to be an actor. And they're like, okay. And even though like there was a little bit of maybe you should have a backup just in case. And not not because like um that's just being parent isn't it i guess yeah um just like financially <laughs> that's conscientious and especially like, having you need to pay your bills i'm not going well, to do it again coming coming again like you're coming from family that came from nothing from a village in cyprus where you know eight of them slept in one room and yeah. you know poverty 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 um so very very conscientious of like um you know my my grandparents um my maternal grandparents you know came over here and and with literally nothing and, and, and made an incredible life for, for mm-hmm. their daughters and then and then for their for their children that came after, which I was one of. And I think uh yeah, I've always been aware of like trying to sort of stay afloat. But mm. um fuck, I got off on a tangent and I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> and just how your like how your how, how your how, oh yeah yeah so after... yeah so their support was like their their even I think, I think my mum's probably chilled out a little bit now. I think now it's been like, now we've hit the 20 year barrier. Um, it's, uh, there's less conversations these days about, oh, when you get your Oscar, um, you know. Oh, mum, bring about... back the Oscar chat, come on. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think, I think, I, I think because I'm, a, I'm very open to it and very realistic about it. And because I constantly, I'm like, that's, you know, that's not what I'm striving for. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But that's not, that's yeah. not why I got into it. That's not why I want to do it. Um, to, you know, not that anyone would turn that down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so but like, especially my grandparents were really like, oh, he's gonna be famous. He's gonna be this. He's gonna be that. that. So that added like, like in a strange way, added a different kind of pressure. Yeah, um, pressure. Well, you've got you've got immigrant pressure. <laughs> like you've got. Yeah. You've got yeah second generation we've got yeah, to make yeah. this work if it's not, you know, like come on yeah. you've got we've got a We're family name oh <laughs> <laughs> fuck this up <laughs> no um but 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 it, but it was nice because i i never took that for granted though because i had so many friends who had parents who didn't take their creativity seriously mm. who who in our i remember when i was a teen like a couple of my friends like they might have arguments with their parents and they'll be like right well that's it you're not going to university you know there'll be those kind of threats and you know you'll you'll finish college and get a job or whatever and it's just yeah i've i've there's a lot of people i know who haven't had that kind of support so i'm yeah i'm very grateful i say i feel like i'm a bit of an exception to rule i don't know too many people that have that have um had that kind of support from a family where it's just yeah. like oh you can do this to that and like my mum like she comes to everything like even when I used to like my poetry open mic nights she comes to those and she's she's great and she's um thanks mum love you yeah oh um, well done that's mum <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's funny yeah I think it, like my parents are the same so my my dad was ba- I mean my dad so my dad was like my dad I say a frustrated musician he's an amazing musician and he, but he never earned money from it um and was always told to get a proper job and even so my harder dad was... than acting much harder <laughs> yeah. than acting music yeah yeah I mean so wow. so difficult and um and also I think I got like a lot of we I think me and my dad are very similar in a lot of ways and I think there's probably a lot about like the way you have to be 
in yourself and the way you have to keep getting up and going back to auditions and keep going. Like I think there was something I've got a little bit more of the ability to do that than he had. I think it was, I think my dad would go to auditions and he was incredible, right? He's the self-taught, but couldn't read music. Mm. Um, he could read tab and stuff, but he could play by ear. So my dad could listen to something and go, wow. it's like, it's like a, it's like a magic. <laughs> when you watch it happening, you're like, what's going on? Um, but I think as well, that probably meant that sometimes he would go and do things and it would probably be intimidating or like, mm. they'd be like, are this, you know, but, or he was supposed to kind of do his own thing. I don't know. Anyway, my dad was basically like, Naomi, do, when I came home and said I didn't want to be a barrister, but I wanted to now be an actor, he was basically about to throw a party. Like, he was <laughs> so happy. I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay, this isn't what I was expecting. But he was just like, yes, just do the thing that you love. Like, and my mum was always a bit more like, again, have, you know, maybe have a, a backup plan or know what you're going to do, you know, um, but has always been very, very supportive. Um, and same, they, like, yeah, she always comes to everything. I love, love her, bless her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I really realised how lucky I was because so everyone that I know that's an actor, like, yeah, not, not the same story. <laughs> very often yeah yeah do you um do you have any kind of preparation rituals before you do any acting before you start a scene so are you superstitious oh yes superstitious um <clears throat> no i always end up with a superstition that comes out of whatever's happening yeah so i used to have like <laughs> i'll develop one during rehearsals <laughs> I don't have one that goes every time but I have like um so once my friend who when I used to do a lot of improv my friend Lola shout out to Lola Rose Backfall great actor um she will always have a banana and a diet coke before going on stage for improv I did it once fucking worked <laughs> I was like wow I had it just the right level of energy <laughs> you do, and you do it half an hour before you go on stage brilliant I don't know how that would work if you're doing like a really heavy drama. Do you dip the banana into the Coke? No, you eat them separately. There's nothing <laughs> weird about it. You're just having some potassium and a little bit of fizzy caffeine. <laughs> so I then stole that from her. And then every time I did, ever did improv, I started to do that. And it didn't always work. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, man. Um, but the placebo definitely worked for a little while. <laughs> a little while. Um, no, I always think that I'm quite a... Um, I think I always think that I'm not a proper actor because I really don't have, you know, you read people's memoirs and like they've got their exact preparation ritual that they've been doing for 35 years since they went to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I let the lines show up. Hope for the best. <laughs> Some people do, don't they? Some people like, I, I, I hear like, um, I don't know. I don't know if this is true, but from what I've heard and what I've seen in interviews, like Olivia Coleman. She just reads the scripts, she learns the lines, and she does the job. And, you know... I can believe that, actually, like, from her. She doesn't... I don't even know... I don't know how deep she goes. I think she's just really good at, like, getting the right emotion out that's required to tell the story. And it yeah. sounds so simple, doesn't it? Because... And that's not to poo-poo anyone's method, because, uh, you know, I think, do what you need to do, like, yeah. to, 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 to do the work. But, yeah. Don't let that thing get in the way of other people's. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
process because yeah. um like yeah everyone's we've got to shut down the set for you for two hours <laughs> while you get into character yeah. um yeah I, I always find I think I think as well when you say I just learned the line show up that's not true because I've no. gone to Jerry you've learned how you've learned all of the things that you, that work for you and I think yeah. that's I think I, I always um, found it quite difficult at drama school as well because there are lots of things that don't work for a neurodivergent brain. So mm. things like telling, like visualization techniques, like I don't see, I can't visualize a picture if I close my eyes yeah. in my like mind's eye. I can't, I can't create. You know, they're like, imagine you're walking through a beach. I'm just got my eyes closed, looking at black and the swirly bits that are like just naturally occurring shapes and is it uh, night time is it exactly exactly I'm like I can't see what I would just imagine it so I'm like okay imagine the feeling of being at the beach so I've learned how to adapt Mm. those sorts of exercises but for a long time like the first six months of drama school was me just like nudging other people going are we just pretending then (laughs) like yeah 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 just pretend yeah pretty pretty pretty. no we're not pretending we're being no you're pretending you are (laughs) a form of pretending yeah um um so but that's actually where Stanislavski was quite helpful for me because there are some you know like emotion memory and things like that like learning I wasn't I actually wasn't really I found it really hard to like tap into some emotions because I now know I did a lot of therapy in my late twenties. So I was trying not to recognize and think about certain things. And so actually a lot of those techniques were, again, uh, some of these drama schools really need to like think about what they're doing with young people, because you can have traumatized young people with you who don't, you know, who don't recognize their own trauma. And actually some of these things, exercises that we're made to do start to bring shit up and you're like, oh, this isn't, oh, this isn't supposed to be happening. Um, But yeah, so it was helpful for me to like use some of those techniques to be able to recreate something on stage. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of it was me just not understanding. (laughs) What's, what are we, what is the task? (laughs) Do it again. It it always depends on, (laughs) I think it's all about what's required, isn't it? For the kind mm-hmm. of style as well. The style of yeah. filming you're doing. You know, yeah. it's all about knowing where your audience is. Um, you know, if you're doing a pantomime, it's going to be different. <laughs> it's different from, you know, doing a film, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, do you know what I used to be? Approach. I was I was so sniffy about panto and I did it one year and it was a be- I did it quite, uh, it's about, about probably four or five years into uh, being an actor and it was the best thing I've ever done because that so panto and soap that's how you learn how to be an actor right because <laughs> you're in front of people and you don't get very off very long like you've got a short space of time you've got a lot of stuff to do the panto like understanding the rules of the world as well and everyone that's coming I wasn't some I went to a couple of pantos as a kid but I I didn't go every year and you go and do panto in the sticks where these children have been coming every year since mm-hmm. birth, right? And they know you've got to have this song, you've got to have the pat song, you've got to have the behind you, you've got to have the whole ghosty thing, like all of that. And if you get that wrong, that audience is going to really tell you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I found those quite helpful. And then doing soap, like, you're like, oh, you want to find an emotion quickly? <laughs> <laughs> like you've got, I did Coronation Street, and there's one director that's 
I won't say his name, but there's one director that's like famous for if you if if the if the lead characters or the people who are important in this scene, if they get it in one take, you don't get another go. No, <laughs> moving no. on. <clears throat> what can um, is it all right if I ask you about that? Yeah, if, if you you had a bit of a had a recurring role, didn't you for 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 a while? I did, yeah. So I was like a sort of semi regular character for about I went back three over three years, three separate four separate occasions over three years. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Like I was supposed to just do seven episodes. It was just I went and and I auditioned as well pre COVID, so it was like you weren't. COVID changed everything for, for all sorts of. But before that, for Coronation Street, you weren't sent the script so you had to get to Manchester if you didn't live there and then you had you'd had to get there half an hour before no more than that half an hour before your audition and learn as much of the script as you can wow or like or like however you work get familiar with it because yeah. that's all you've got I had like 12 scenes <laughs> to go through and I don't learn lines quickly or anything like that but it was like something, it was one of those things where actually the technique took over because I kind of was like, right. So I just like read each, each scene like three times and yeah. just make like make a choice for this, make a choice for this, make a choice for this, make a choice for this. <clears throat> and then they honed in on like five scenes. <laughs> um, but yeah, but five scenes and I had to just keep going over and doing them. Um, but it was great because I, I just had to make really clear choices and and do the thing but um and I got it and I was so surprised because I'm very used to playing like very comedic happy nice smiley people and I was playing this right bruiser of a woman who's a debt collector going around people's houses like barging the house bar like barging into the houses you were a real badass yeah, I, I, I watched it it was good um it was brilliant it was such a good experience and I think it was so lovely for me to have an experience of playing a character so different to me um because I I haven't been I'll be I'll be honest with you Ed because we're talking about the the, the 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 truth sides of of uh of acting and of this career but I haven't been challenged for things that I've been paid for I've created a space for myself where I get to challenge myself in theatre or whatever like that but yeah. it's always I've never I've not had many very challenging roles or things that weren't like kind of stuff that I found easy to do or you know like it's a, it's someone who's very similar to me so getting to that place or I've been lucky a couple of times like one of the things that, things that I did was um Pete versus life and that was amazing because it's only like two episodes that I did I think but it was a character so different for me but it was I didn't do anything that wasn't dictated by the script it was such a good script I literally just said the stuff in a deadpan way and it was the funniest shit I've ever done <laughs> but it was all there on the page like such a gift um oh my god sound well, what a wanker such gift of a part but it was like no pain. no it's not it's not it's true <laughs> it's true and I, that's the thing like the thing is like when you get a good script yeah most of the work is done for you yeah. like it's it is so easy it, it is. is like when you've got it's easy it, to remember it's when it's you've got a script deliver. where you're just like people don't talk like this um mm. this isn't or this isn't really how people would react in this kind of situation like it's you know, it's when you get those challenges and you have to make the best of something. And that is also a different kind of challenge. Um, yeah. But My favourite is going in and they're like, it's such a funny script, isn't it? And you're like, ah, yeah. Oh, this is a comedy. Okay. 
<laughs> all right yep i'll um i'll make it oh you want me to do funny faces that's the comedy yeah <laughs> um but yeah so yeah no comedy was a really good and also like it was such a funny experience in terms of like it's so different because you've got people who've been in it since they were like kids or some people who's it's their only job or you know people who've worked in other jobs for years and they're like yeah I'm here for my retirement now I'm just really like, comfortable um and so because I was a semi-regular like I'd kind of go away and then they'd be like right we want Naomi next month for this and I'd be like okay I'm, I'm doing a different job so I'm, I, I'm not available and they'd be like what? so it was a kind of it was a funny experience because you realize actually up in as well up in Manchester like it's it's everyone wants to do curry mm. and it is really lucky like you are really lucky to be doing a job where you're going because it feels like theater you're going to the same place every day like you've got a nice little green room and you've got all these people and you have a nice chat in between and it is really hard work because you've got to like remember I mean nowhere near the hard work that it is for the proper regulars because you see the scripts that come in and they get them all in one go for the next shooting period. And you're like, I don't even know how. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. But it taught me that you can actually, when you've got to learn, when you, when you've got to learn a whole new scene that's just been delivered to you in 10 minutes, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can be on set and do it and get it done in a couple, like you can do it, but it's the prospect of it. You're like, never, that's never going to happen. Well, I guess much like the name of this podcast is, don't think, <laughs> act. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. And I, I want to pick up on three words you, you said when you oh. were talking about your audition process and you mm -hmm. said it and you said it more than once. And you said you had to make a choice, make a choice, make a choice. And actors make a choice when you audition. Like, don't worry yeah. about what it is they're looking for, but just yeah. make a choice. Because that's what they want to see. They want to see that, you know, you've got... You can I'm make a choice. In, I'm going to go in this direction. And it might yeah. be the wrong direction. Yeah. But that's what they're, that's what they're there for. Because then they can go, actually, try it this way or, or do something different. And then as long as you're adaptable to that... Yeah. Then again, you're, you're halfway there. Absolutely. Um, and it gives them something to... It gives, like you said, it gives them something to work from. I think as well, even just making a choice makes you more memorable because you haven't just gone and done a wishy-washy thing like you've yeah you've done something that's bold and it might not be right that yeah. time but they might go okay well we'll give you a chance to come back and audition for another thing you know but often yeah in the room you whenever I've made a very clear choice and um, I've always spent more time in the room being directed more like I've got to it's been yeah. a longer process when that's happened and that's if what I you just want. go yeah yeah exactly and if I just go in and do an okay thing they're like you know do it twice and like bye oh okay thanks and you can look back and go oh yeah no I didn't really I didn't really do much did I <laughs> um yeah yeah the, the point of an audition is not it's not about oh can this person remember lines can they learn lines? That's not what the test is. No, but it can feel like it because you do get yeah. times where, you know, there are loads of casting directors who are like, have this off book. And like, that's the main thing. That is the main thing they're after. And I think, yeah, that's always really sad because. That's not helpful. It, I don't think, I don't think you're going to get the best out of your auditionees if you're going to, if, if, if you, that's what you're focusing on. You need and to be it's not book. inclusive. It's not inclusive at all. What, I'll okay, be off so book when given... you pay me. Yeah, exactly. But like asking dyslexic actors to be off book yeah. overnight and to be yeah. able to, what you do, like for some people it'd be fine, but for some people it won't be. No. Same as, you know, yeah. 
lots of people it would be very difficult um i'm a bit of a rebel i will say my own dialogue um <laughs> as long as it's oh, saying the same thing yeah like, you add I, a little I, bit I, I just yeah i'm terrible i'm if terrible if a casting director says, can we do that again? Because you've got this line wrong. I'm like, I don't want this job anyway. Do you know what I mean? If that's the... Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if that's what you're worried about... Find what... someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, but do. Because, like, what's the point? I'm like, there's no... I've got... And I'm really bad. I think as well, I'm in this for the long haul. So I do think there are times... I, I talk to people and they look at me like I'm bonkers. But I'm like, actually, for me to keep being an actor for a really long time... I have to not be okay with like not fitting into some of the rules or some of the things that are like received kind of wisdom about what actors should be like. I'm like, no, because I won't, I'll give up. I'll go and find a different special interest to pursue. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I'm That's just... brilliant. No, I mean, I, um, I, uh, I'm just looking up the guy's name and I want to get it right because I don't mm. want to get it wrong. Um, I had a screen acting workshop recently with uh, now what is his name? Um, oh, uh, Alisa Adeli. Um, okay. He was in Chewing Gum and um, did lots of things. Uh, Big Boys. Hmm. Um, anyway, he's he's great. He is a wonderful, wonderful guy. And um, every time, like we did work on camera and then we got to see it on a screen and watch everyone and every time he gave feedback every time he was like constructively criticizing what we're doing it was there were mind-blowing bombs of knowledge of yeah, like amazing. screen acting it was so good and why was i bringing this up um he was talking about what were we just talking about oh he was talking about when you're on set mm. and asking for a bit of time he said, he said, when you're on set, he said, everyone's the head of the department. Know, there's a lighting guy, there's a camera, there's props, there's continuity. There's, yeah. there's people doing stuff everywhere. And you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. So, but yeah. when it comes to shooting, you are the head of the acting department. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's a nice way to right? think of it. So, yeah, so that's nice. You're the head of your acting department. So you need to be like, actually, can we just discuss a couple of things? Can we talk mm -hmm. about you know, and what kind of tone we're going from, make sure we're on the same level. Because, you know, you know what it's like. This shit, yeah. like, it, it, it needs to get done quick a lot of the time. But yeah. it doesn't mean we can't have a, just a quick conversation just to clarify a few things. Because then it's just yeah. going to, the process is going to be It's going to be quicker. It's going right? to be much it's quicker. Gonna be quick. if I'm going to get to what you these want. These two questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, so don't, you know, we need to be a bit more vocal. We need to be more, mm. you know, we're not just there to turn up and, 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 and do the work and be quiet and nice people, you know, yeah. Yeah, we should be nice people, obviously. But what I mean is like, um, we need to have the opportunity to be like, okay, you know, is there, is there a, a bigger tone? Is there a bigger, if, with the themes of the story that we're telling, where does this fit in? And yeah, I was just, I was just like, yes, that makes, that makes absolute sense. Because yeah. we're saying, especially on TV, directors don't really direct, don't direct actors like they would in the theatre. They're not looking yeah. at your acting, they're yeah. like making sure that you're you're hitting your right mark and, and whatnot. Yeah, that your face doesn't look weird on camera and you spoke half normal. <laughs> there are just some things I, think... I can't do. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Profession. Um, I do think that's really interesting. And I totally so I I think he's totally right because actually you can cut down so much time 
and get to what they want if you can ask so if I've got a question I will I will I do feel comfortable enough to now say like can I have a moment and just ask you this but I will be honest that for most of my career I am a jobbing character actor yes like my job if you've got three lines like your job is to do what you did in the audition turn up do that (laughs) keep doing that because you're there so that they so that the director can focus on the leads and you're doing what you got the that is what you did to get the job and sometimes actually that sometimes that means I have to you know there have been times especially on comedies where I've been like can you just tell me remind me what you want here because I've turned like I did one sketch thing once and they were like oh you were northern in the audition I was like all right great sorry didn't realize (laughs) so you know sometimes it's like you don't remember what you did so you have to um but yeah I think on Pete versus life watching how Rafe Spall was the lead right and he was so it was about um a guy whose life is being accommodated by sports commentators so although he wasn't aware of the sports commentators sometimes there were things that he really had to be he had to be aware of or do something very specifically to make their jokes land so it was really interesting because he just always asked really perceptive like direct questions um and not and in a way that I think I think I would have been scared to do before, you know, but just he was never afraid of it. And there were a couple of times where he was he where he said to me, like, are you OK? Do you need a minute? Because or like um, if there was an eye line thing. So one time, you know, I was supposed to be looking at him, but there was like a big screen across his face. And he was just like he just went, hold on. He's like, no, no, you want her to look at me. Can she just look at me? And I was like, thank you. <laughs> because actually, you know, we're supposed to be having this like really bitchy moment between the two of us. And it just made it so much easier. We weren't getting what we needed. Yeah. And then they moved this thing and we got it in one. Um yeah, I think it is understanding that you like you kind of are the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> but you are the head of acting you're the head of your acting and actually you what you do does matter when you're on a set like it does matter it matters for the whole thing um so yeah just remembering that trying to be confident about that is definitely good amazing I just um I'll I'll just yeah a couple of quick questions and then um we'll do the rapid fire ones and then I'll I'll let you get back to your life oh my god rapid fire but I'm having, having a great day. <laughs> well, I say I wouldn't say rapid fire, and people would say it's like take your time. I don't. I'm gonna stop saying. <laughs> I'm gonna stop saying rapid fire. It's gonna be like catapult questions. There you go. Ooh, that takes long. Nice. That takes that takes longer to get there. Um, there's one I missed though. Mm. Cringeworthy audition story. Okay, so this is one that I haven't told before and I might never ever, but I'm also using this as a forum to hope that one day this casting director hears it and realises that I wasn't a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) So I was probably, so this is probably, I was probably about 25 or 26 when I did this audition. So I hadn't been acting for long, a few years. And it was one of the first times that I got an audition for like uh for a series regular and it was for misfits which was really big at the time it was like for the third mm. or fourth series of misfits um and it was with really well-known cast and directors um and um oh my god it's so awful okay so basically uh 
the character is supposed to be like in a romantic relationship with Robert Sheehan. Okay. I was an insecure, like mid twenties fat character actress who was used to reading things like fat and ugly as the character descriptions. Oh. And like, and I think I hadn't realized how much I'd internalized some of that stuff. Yeah. And so I, so I kind of, so my open, like, it was Tom Green was the director. Kevin Riddle was the casting assistant, and it was um, Julie Harkin was the casting director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd seen Kevin for the first edition. This is my recall. I had smashed the first edition. Right, brought me back because I did a good job. My opening gambit was, um, yeah. So like the script is amazing, and I love this character so much. I don't really know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. And you know when you're like having an out-of-body experience, like Naomi, what are you don't say that? And so everything went into slow motion and, and like and I think I think as well, I was so nervous. The woman that got the part had gone in before me and she'd smashed it. They were pissing themselves, laughing. It was great. I just got so into my head and so mm. insecure that I was like, yeah, I love this and I want this part so much, but I'm don't know why I'm being seen for it. I don't know what I I can't believe I said that. Yeah. And so anyway, Julie Harkin goes, Well, Kevin is great at his job and you did a really good audition, so that's why you're here. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Proceeded to do a shit audition. Oh no. Um, and thought I, you know, I came out of it and I was like, I'm never working again. That's it. They're gonna tell every cast and director, mm. I'm never getting another job. Um, I'm gonna be thrown out of equity. <laughs> isn't even in it so it's fine um we'll take that out libelous <laughs> um, um but yeah no I was just like I'm gonna be thrown out of equity my agent's gonna jump me it's the end of the world like I couldn't and I just and you know it's also I'm like I am quite a confident person like if if I've always been aware like if the part is not for me it's not for me I'm not gonna get it I'm not gonna get everything um and it, that's okay uh, but I just completely backtrack yeah I, I just did myself out of a job. It can happen though, can't it? I think if you just if you're not everything's on the day, isn't Quiet it? Part like, out you, just loud, know, you just don't know what you're gonna you don't but you also don't know how you're gonna feel each day. Like yeah. You, know, you just don't know what sometimes you do an audition you have great confidence and you bowl in there yeah. and, and, and maybe that's the day you get the job. And maybe it's not. It doesn't always work like that anyway. But mm. you just don't know how you're gonna be. And if you're not if your confidence level is 100%, you are going to say stuff like that and you are going yeah. to be surprised. And But yeah, yeah, I mean, that is, yeah, that's a, I imagine at the time that must have been quite hard to, hard I to swallow. I just thought it was over. I was like, that's it. Never, that's it, mate. You fucked it. <laughs> Four years as an actor. That's it. You're done. No. No. <laughs> I'm still here. It's fine. They, you know, I'm sure that they don't remember. I'm absolutely positive they don't remember that you're not the first and you won't be the last exactly exactly um but yeah thinking that you know i but i spent probably about two years after that thinking my god kevin riddle must think i'm just such a terrible person (laughs) (laughs) like kevin riddle if you're listening this wasn't about you it was never about (laughs) you it's my own insecurities (laughs) and general terrible industry uh treatment previously (laughs) so we've got a few minutes left Okay. And if we've got a few minutes, I'll do the not-so-rapid-fire questions, um, which is uh, inspired by the great French interviewer Bernard Pivot, who inspired mm. my favourite interviewer, James Lipton, from Inside the Actors Studio. 
So these are the final Always 10 questions. To these questions. Yeah. So Naomi, what is your favourite word? Cunt. <laughs> uh, it's you and Rebecca Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why we're best friends. Um, no, it's expressive. Um, uh, and it, it means a different thing for different people and elicits a different reaction from different people um but if you don't like that word we can't be friends because <laughs> i will or we can be friends as long as you don't mind me offending you from time to time works for me and what's your least favorite word probably no <laughs> that's fair yeah. what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally um i think op openness Mm. openness and flexibility like when you meet someone whether it's like in a creative relationship or normal relationship whatever when you meet someone that's open to different things and flexible like for me those are that's an area where you can yeah there's an exploration there and there's a um yeah I just like those things I think I think as well to be creative you have to be open you have to be open to low you know emotionally absolutely you have to be open um I think that all well you don't have to you don't have to be but the best actors are I think that all, yeah. all they're able to you know they're obviously open enough to experience <laughs> stuff to be able to portray it um but yeah like closed off people are just there are some actors as well who are really closed off and then when you tried to perform with them you're like ah oh, so disappointing <laughs> and none of us are gonna yeah yeah <laughs> uh what well what turned you off closed closeness, closeness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um i mean is there any point what's your favorite swear word Oh, cunt. Uh, probably cunty cunt whistle, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, I love the sound of um, my kids laughing. And um, there's a specific laugh that they do when the three of them are having loads of fun. And it's like just the three of them having loads of fun together. That laugh, that sound is amazing. And what sound or noise do you hate? Um, nails on chalkboard or mm. scratchy sounds. Um, so that's been the common. That's been the most common answer so far. <laughs> yeah, it's from just... everybody. Mm. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, probably psychotherapy. Nice. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that I've often thought about giving up acting and becoming a psychotherapist. Becoming a psychotherapist, but it sounds like actually a lot of psychotherapists are. Um, previous actors or filmmakers. <laughs> a lot of them have been to film school or drama. Let's do anything to get an audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what profession would you not like to do? Um, oh, probably anything. I've got really, really sensitive olfactory smell, like smells. So mm. unfortunately, bin men, I, I literally pay them a lot of money because the smell of rubbish, I couldn't deal with dealing with that yeah, every day. Or like wild. sewage, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Come and join the party! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't oh, believe it. <laughs> such a good party. Ah, it would. Such a nice party. 
I'd, yeah, there's lots of people that I'd like to be there. Well, thanks for giving up the bulk of your afternoon. <laughs> you're welcome i'm so sorry about the editing that you've got to do no no it's great <laughs> tons to work with and it's just been it has been an absolute joy it really has oh thank you ed and well Listen. done well done for getting off your bum and well sitting on your bum <laughs> and <doing laughs> creating something lovely for us to listen to thanks yeah i appreciate it um yeah yeah i'm really enjoying it it's an excuse to catch up with people in this kind of way and yeah um, yeah, no, this this is good. It's all positive. Just wanted, yeah, wanted to create something that um hopefully other people can get something out of. Um, Definitely. Other than a bad acting job with a terrible Afghani accent. So <laughs> you're making us all feel less alone and like, <laughs> oh, okay, there's other people as bonkers as me doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we have to be. Um, yeah, if you want, send me over any links like to the spotlight, whatever. I can put them in the show notes. Yeah. Um, perfect i will and um yeah thanks for being such an awesome guest brilliant no worries thank you it was really lovely chatting to you yeah and i'll um see you soon see you on the flip side all right love. stay creative bye yeah you too <laughs> bye. bye well that was naomi cooper davis i had so much fun recording that interview and even more fun listening to it back naomi was very generous with her time and uh, she definitely made me go for more than once. I think uh, the longer it went on, the more we were like two kids at a birthday party having consistently overdosed on sugar. Um, I had so much fun. It was just just wonderful to have her as a guest and um, to get her, her insight. It was just brilliant. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please send your feedback your audition stories or your requests to be on the podcast so don't think at podcast at gmail.com um, please tell someone else about the podcast give the show a five star rating if you can and um, yeah as always stay creative